Yeah, yesterday you said something and I was just thinking about it this morning when I was worshiping and it was that there's something to be said about the person who is continually seeking the Lord and has a, a softness for the Lord where they're just living each day with intention. And I thought, you know, there's a deep, constant awareness that we carry of God's presence and how beautiful that is because um, it's a relationship. We know that we have a relationship with the Lord, but if you're not nurturing that on a daily basis, then it can so easily become distant. And that mm -hmm. distance is what it creates room for other things to fill our voids, if that makes sense. Like yeah. whether it's TV shows or, you know, uh, another relationship with a friend, I just think if we don't have that continual yearning for the Lord on a daily basis and spend time practicing his presence in our life, then that's where confusion and, um, and lies of the enemy come in. And so I just love that you said that because it was, it's true. Like the days that I get up and I think about the Lord first and foremost, and I start that conversation with him, those days are so much better than when I wake up and think of all the things that I have to do first. And, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It is a rhythm in our lives. I do believe that when we are intentional, it doesn't always start as a rhythm. Mm. It becomes that though. We can choose to nurture that and take care of that and cultivate that. And it does, it goes back to that intention of how we choose to live our lives daily because God's presence is always available to us. Yeah. We, we always have access. That is our reality. We always have access to his presence. No one can take that away. Our choice to abide with him and to obey him. The intention of acknowledging his presence, the moment our eyes open, something that I have practiced for a while is my eyes open, laying in bed and breathing gratitude, breathing gratitude with him and my eyes open. And I say, good morning. Mm. Yeah. I just lay there and I say, good morning. I just say, good morning, father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy spirit. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for breath. Thank you for allowing me to wake up today. Thank you for my family, my friends, my work, and being able to breathe that out. And I often begin to get a little emotional before my feet even hit the floor. <laughs> yeah. Just It is overwhelming just knowing that I got to wake up another day. Yeah. We have those moments in our lives that show up to remind us just how precious life truly is. And at times that it is so fragile, it can feel like a vapor when those we love and hold dear, we say they're here one day and gone the next. It does overwhelm our hearts. And I know we don't often like to sit in that. We don't often right. prefer to sit with the idea that those we love and hold dear 
may not physically be present with us on this earth. That's the reality is that it, it shows up and we know that uh, death doesn't make an appointment. Mm. It just is, just is, it comes, it comes and it shows up and gratitude and breathing and, and developing those rhythms in our lives is something I'm personally working on for this new book that I'm very stoked about and writing. (laughs) And then, you know, it's been a process, right? It always is. I always say the process is in the process and staying the path and, and seeking, seeking those elements of our lives and our stories that feed and nurture and cultivate and, and acknowledging what doesn't. Yeah what isn't supporting those healthy rhythms and boundaries in our lives to help us keep breathing. Right. So what's on your heart agenda today for us? Because we talked about in this conversation for ground table, I was like, Hey, Britt, mm-hmm. we, we did an interview for yellow soul and we, and we, uh, dove into your story about art and creating and some hard places that you went through and how you pulled the trigger on I'm going full-time art and it wasn't a popular idea with some, but they were looking at what they wouldn't do (laughs) and thought you should, (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing? But I, it's fascinating the life that you and your husband live and you and I have shared about Hebrews 11 and the story of the heroes of faith as they're referred to in the scriptures and that faith and what it, what it looks like in stepping out and cultivating an environment in our lives. You just said of the presence of God and it doesn't may not always look like sitting in the scriptures and prayer for hours on end, or it could, but it's just, it's an abiding it's being it's existing um, with him. And yet in that space of existing, of being, knowing that we're not merely existing yet living fully alive. Yeah. Right. You creating is you're entertaining the presence of God when you are creating art and your texture art. And so, Oh, I love that. I mean, there's a lot I could say about this season and in the last couple of years we've walked through and, you know, the years previous to that were very trying. We both worked so long, you know, long hours and overwhelmed and stressed. And, um, Mm -hmm. when the Lord, you know, laid it on my heart to go full time, I immediately thought, well, I don't have time to do all of the things that I know that I need to do with the business. And I don't know how to do half of it. And I had all this, this whole list of excuses and the Lord, you know, just over and over and over again, confirmed it. And so when I, now we're two or almost three years, um, Mm -hmm. since making that decision. And I have seen the faithfulness of God in the moments throughout each day. And that's where, you know, when you don't know where you're going, you just know to take that step out of the boat or that step forward, then you learn very quickly whether or not you can trust him in the Mm -hmm. next moment. 
And so his record in my life and in our life has been that with each step that we take, we learn just a little bit more about him. We mm. learn just a little bit more of the love that he has for us, the, the purpose that he has for us. And so really the last three years have been a discovery of what the Lord has created in me, but also what he wants to relay or or share with other people about his love. And so I get the really cool job of painting these images and in series that I feel are close to my heart, something that I'm learning um, about the father, but he uses that and in turn shows other people that as well, which I think is so, it's, it's such a layer of his love. Like his love is just in layers, you know? And so it's not just for me. It's not just for you. It's for all of us collectively, but it can speak something different to each one of us. And I think that's the beauty of, of painting his love through art is you never know what that specific painting is going to mean to people, but you just trust him with the message. And then he gets the message into the hands of who he wants to speak it to. Yeah, good. And your art is texture art. Do you find that people reach out and they want to touch the actual painting itself because it's standing off of the canvas, right? Yes. So everything that I paint has a textural element to it. And I have always loved paintings that you could touch and feel the texture. I think that adds to the experience of the painting. But for instance, the custom fingerprints that I paint are raised off of the canvas and they're the actual fingerprint of the person that I'm painting for. And so, you know, there's people that have lost the loved ones and they reach out and want a fingerprint done of their loved ones. And, you know, I get messages saying, Britt, I didn't know how much this would mean to me just to be able to hold his hand again, you know, touch his print. Oh to be able to experience this, um, this person in a way, even though they're not here. And so those are some of the, you know, um, reasons why I continue to do texture is because it's a story in itself. You know, it's something to be experienced and people really value the stories behind it, but the experience of feeling the art and, um, all of, all of the ways you, you know, yeah. experience it. So that's really cool. When you receive information from an experience that someone has had, once they receive what they've commissioned you to do, what does that feel like for you as a creative? Because, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later, but the moments that you and I share as creatives, the dark moments, yeah. Right. The valleys that that we know that that you and I have been in and walking through and in the trenches, not just with ourselves, but with others. So in those moments where you just are like that question mark, do I do I do I stay the path? Do I continue to do this? And then you receive information from someone who has this encounter and you hear 
I felt like I was holding his hand again, or I was touching his or her hand again. What does that feel like for you? It's, there's layers of feelings. I think um, the Lord always has a purpose for each series that I create. And it's funny because I always say, oh, I created it for this purpose, but I didn't know creating it. There would be layers of other purposes for these paintings um, for people. And so whenever I, I put it out there, you know, I have an idea of what may speak to people and I can share the message, but God always reveals more with mm-hmm. each painting, with each, um, with each person who reaches out, you know, I get to see it from their perspective. And mm-hmm. so that's been so amazing because I just feel honored and it almost, it, you know, there's times as a creative, we get lonely and we're in here creating by ourselves and wondering if the world wants to see it and if it's going to matter. And I think when I get those stories that the Lord is just showing me like, Hey, Britt, this is what I've created you to do. You know, you are, you are my artist and you have a purpose that is greater than paint on canvas. You have a way of connecting people's stories um, to my love. And, and I think that is probably the best. It is the best job that I could ever ask for. And then just to hear, I've always been a lover of stories. I've always loved hearing people's experiences and, you know, they're hard. And, and I think people know that about me too. And so you know, I have people reaching out and sharing their stories through Instagram, through the DM. And, you know, I'll see something and I'll send it to that person just to encourage them through their hard time. And I, um, I'm not just someone who's selling paintings on the internet. I like, (laughs) I truly care about people. And so, um, it's an honor, but I, I see it as a ministry. I don't see it as, is something that's just um, a business. I see it as a way to cultivate relationships, to um, to bring God's truth to their life and to encourage them. God's called me to be an encourager. And so I take that very seriously. You know, sometimes I'm, I think, Lord, do I care too much? <laughs> you know, like for, I want, I want to be everybody's uh, friend and, and encourager and whatnot, but it's, it's really, that keeps me going, um, on the days that, you know, the paint's not working right, or I, I self-doubt or second guess, um, it keeps Mm. me going to hear stories. And it's funny that when I have those moments of kind of breaking down a little bit and saying, Lord, I don't know how to do this, or should I continue fighting for this, you know, series, it's not coming together or whatnot usually around that time is when people start messaging me their stories. So it's interesting how the Lord will lay it on somebody's heart to reach out to me at a time where I need encouragement. I'm not just the one being encouraged. They're encouraging me, which is so beautiful. Incredible. Yeah. It's like it comes full circle and he turns those question marks into periods through others and knowing that they're responding and 
it is, it is amazing how that process of feeling like we are breaking down and it's our breaking point. Mm -hmm. It does become our breakthrough and someone else becomes the answer to our prayer. He's so good. He is so very faithful. Okay. So I want to go back to your ground zero of your starting point with art. We have a lot of listeners in our community that are creatives, you know, so many different people that are creating on a daily basis. You know, you and I have approached the conversation so many times about isolation and loneliness and what that looks like and remembering the village that we have around us and knowing that we may be in the studio by ourselves, but to remember that we are not alone. We're not in this by ourselves. Your starting point with art, how did you get into specifically texture art? There's so many forms of art and that's that's what you came to. And I'm wondering, like, you must be very tactile, touchy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and then just thinking about that, how you started and you, you touched on going full-time art and then, but take us back a little bit. What was your ground zero? Like, what did that look like for you? Hmm. I think I've had several, but I've always, for as long as I can remember. So I'll take you way back um, just for a moment. So my parents divorced when I was seven and I had such a hard time communicating. So Mm -hmm. when they asked me, you know, about the divorce and all of these things, I had a very tough time relaying what I was feeling. And so I went to, I think it was one or two art therapy classes. And I remember sitting down and this lady, you know, directing me saying, um, you know, just draw something that you feel. And I remember it was easier to draw it than it was to say, you know, what I was feeling. And I, I think I drew something um, kind of dark, you know, at that time, like a a graveyard or something like that. Because as a seven-year-old kid, you know, your parents divorcing, that can feel like a death. It really can. And so um, that was my earliest memory of, of wanting to be creative. And then from there, I took some art classes um, in school. And by the time I got to high school, I was just in the art room as much as humanly possible. I mean, I would finish my work early just so I could go sit in the art room um, at a, you know, a a class that wasn't mine, but just go in and and hang out. And so um, I remember one day I was sick and I asked the art teacher if I could just hang out in his room. And he said, sure, but you have to be, um, you know, the still life for us while the rest of the class draws. And so I fell asleep on this little pedestal and I woke up and there's these gigantic pictures of me sleeping everywhere. Like the whole class had drawn me. Um, but I loved it. I just, you know, I loved being in, I had some amazing art teachers growing up. And so I decided to go to a college in Arkansas, um, UCA. I took their art program. Um, so I was a minor in music and a major in art, the full blown creative right here. Um, but I remember 
sitting in a class thinking something was missing mm-hmm. and I didn't know what it was exactly. I just had a feeling that the Lord had other plans and, you know, that's scary because I had never been anywhere other than my little hometown in Southern Arkansas. And so where do you go, you know, when you've already committed to a college and, um, I think I've shared this with you before, but I remember going to church one Sunday before um, summer break. It was the end of my freshman year. And I sat in the cafe at this church and it was a big church. So, you know, you, you don't know the pastors very well, things like that. And so I sat down at the cafe and the pastor was walking by us and he stopped like in a moment and kind of, you know, surprised us that he halted that quickly. And he turned around and he looked at me and he said, um, excuse me, do you sing? And I was like stunned, you know, nobody knew that I sang. And, um, and my friend answered for me. She said, yes, she sings. And he said, I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you to pursue that. And that's all he said. Mm. And so after that, I'm like stunned and not because I, and then I thought, well, maybe I'll just try out for the worship team next year, you know, at this church, like, that's what it's going to be about. Okay. God, I hear you. Like, that's what I'll do. Well, it wasn't until that summer at home that I reconnected with a childhood friend. And she told me she was going to Christ for the nations Institute. It was a two year Bible college, unaccredited, like there's, you know, um, I didn't know anything about the school and registration was closing. And so long story short, I show up at this campus. I decided to just go all in after driving myself to my childhood church and just crying before the Lord saying, are you sure? Are you sure this is what you want me to do? Um, and God's like, no, are you sure? I know. (laughs) And it was so scary, you know, because everything was going to be new. I mean, the new city knew everything. And um, my friends were mad at me at UCA. They were like, what are you doing with your life? Uh, (laughs) I'm pretty sure my dad called me and he said, um, you know, Britt, I don't think this is a wise decision financially. Like it was all the whole thing. Everything was coming against me. And so I'm like, okay, well, Lord, this better be you. But yeah, I want it said, I made a decision. I was like, I want it said that I followed Jesus. I don't care where it takes me. That's the decision. So in a way I was choosing to follow Jesus the rest of my life. And that was how pivotal that decision felt. And so But all that to say, the reason why I said that is because I left this beautiful four-year university to go to this unaccredited Christian school that I knew nothing about. And I took the only art class that they had available. They had just started it by a teacher who did not speak English. We got together in the basement of one of these, one of these buildings. So no windows no light. And that is where he taught me how to use roofing tar as a textural element in painting. What? And so, yes. And that is how that is roofing tar, roofing tar. Yes. That's a lot of roofers in my family. And so hearing <laughs> you say that I'm thinking, wait, what? <laughs> roofing tar? Yes. 
thinking? So he had these paintings that um, they just looked like there were so many different layers. And he taught us the trick of using roofing tar to create some different textural layers. And I just remember thinking, this is so unique and different, but the touch and the feel of the painting, you could just feel depth, you know? Um, and it just looked loved on like a bunch of layers that were just loved on. And so that's where I first started using texture and I haven't stopped since. So. Wow. And how long ago was that? That was in, I went to CFNI uh, 2006 to 2008. So a very long time. Do you have any idea how he incorporated and learned about roofing tar? How did he come across that? I don't know because there was a language barrier. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I have so many questions, but it's going to take too long to get the answer. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's where I learned how to trust my instinct too, Mm -hmm. because, you know, he wasn't communicating as much as maybe someone who knew English very well. And so I had to really just trust what he was learning. It was all visual. I mean, he would show us something and then we would, you know, do it. And after that, I went to Dallas Baptist University after my two years at CFNI. And I finished my art degree there. So I went two years there to finish out and had a minor in biblical studies, a minor in music, and a um, and I majored in in art. And so I just think that was the Lord's plan. Now, if you had told me I was leaving that school to go learn art, you know, in the basement of this facility, I might not have been thrilled about that. But it's probably one of the most crucial moments of my creative life. So I'm forever grateful for that experience. And Christ for the Nations too was a great, I just learned so much. You know, you trust your, your, your growing and your learning about the Lord. And I was able to sing while I was there and worship. So all of it worked together um, to really help me understand um, God's purpose and his plan for my life. And, um, and yeah, I think, I think that was what I I needed. Um, That was the hole that was missing was that, that trust in the father that uh, leaning in and letting him you know, pave the way forward instead of trying to pave it myself. You said something so powerful, the layers of this art, it was like layers that had been loved on. Mm -hmm. That's our soul by the hands of God and the love of Jesus and how that looks and it, and it takes time and that's okay. And at that point of your life where you had some really important voices speaking to you, your father being one of them. Hey, Britt, this may not be the the wisest move. You had a choice and a decision to make to shut out all the voices and get really still. Ask God, what is your path for me? Yeah. 
And that's not, you know, that's not always an easy thing when you have voices in your life that are speaking into you that you trust, right? You honor and that you love and respect. And so, and your, you know, your close friends around you, they're like, uh, what exactly are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) That what God calls us to doesn't make sense. I feel like most of the time in those moments, there's this separation that happens because it seems that most of the time it doesn't make sense to most people. Mm. Yeah. It's so true. And it's almost like it's how God intends it to be. How, how much are you going to trust me? Right. Do you hear my voice and are you willing to go when I say come? Yeah. I mean, we look at in the scriptures repeatedly at the lives of so many that it didn't make sense. I mean, I think about Jesus with the disciples out there in the water and they're like, we've, what (laughs) you want us to go back out? We've been toiling all night to catch these fish and we have caught nothing. Like there is, do you see our boats empty, our nets empty? There's nothing. They said a very important word though. Nevertheless, Mm. there's a translation that says, nevertheless, we'll go out again. And the outcome is they lowered the net and it says that there was such a huge haul of fish that their nets began to break. They, they were set up. They had not gone out. That's right. Exactly. I mean, I can only imagine the conversations that were happening between the guys, like what what the heck is he talking about? Like, really, (laughs) are we actually going to do this? Dude, this is crazy. You know? As human beings, human to human, they came to that place, that moment, that trajectory, that shift, that pivot, that on the other side of that, just like what you said, what if they had not said yes? And I, that is so essential in our lives where we pause and we look at the risk, we look at the landscape, at the territory, the terrain, and we're like, oh, and what's it going to cost? And I always look at my life and go, Julia, what's, what is it going to cost you if you don't? Yeah. You know, we don't always know if the reward will outweigh the risk, but I, I do feel like in the, the time that we walk with Jesus and you said earlier, use that term, the record, the, the account, the time that you've experienced God in those moments that are so defining for us, that we don't know what's on the other side of it. I I know that our faith, it's like, it just, it comes, it's right there. It's right there with us. We look at that. We look at that cost in that moment. We choose to say, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the outcome is, is going to be. What I do know, God, is that you are good Yeah, and that you're faithful and that you're always working and that you are for me. Yeah. Brit, he is for us. And even if we don't know the outcome, we know who he is. Yeah. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever that he is, that he is faithful. Yeah. Looking at your story and taking that in all the moving parts and pieces and going back into your childhood at seven years of age, your parents divorcing, you communicating your pain onto paper. And so for our listeners, that's, that's a piece of your life that this is beautiful because I just found this out. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm like, bro, this is new information right now. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so you know, my I, I I can't, it's just it just is what it is. And I'm like, as a seven-year-old, the pain that was in your little soul. Yeah. I mean, you know, I like to think that that those pieces of paper, there's a couple of things. I'm I'm gonna say that that was your journal, your pages of your first little journal. Yeah. But it's that was your first canvas, Britt. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. That was your first canvas. Wow. And that incredible, fascinating, magnificent to think that that childhood pain, your suffering that you couldn't communicate. And it's almost as if in that moment, that's the way it was meant to be in your communication because God took that. Yeah. Right. Like God took that. And he's always in our stories. Yeah. He's always in our story. And you can look back at that moment because I think about my own children and I think about their lives and what they've walked through in my own story as a child. I didn't communicate my pain in my soul as a kid through uh, art, through, you know, like what you create drawings. I communicated that with writing. Mm. I look back at, at my life and the connections and the timing down to the month of writing certain pieces of, of my story out as, as a teenager and how that relates to my life as an author today. Mm-hmm. Down to the month, God is so precise. Mm-hmm. That was your first canvas. And now you are taking that power creating these absolutely phenomenal pieces of art to, as you say, the space. I don't want to take your words. You say your walls should tell tell a story, right? I, Is that- I always say your walls should tell your story, not someone else's. And I, I, love so, I mean that that's why I am so adamant about custom art, because every story is different. And yeah. you should have a painting that represents your story that gives mm. God glory. And I think there's nothing better than, um, than that for your home, than to have art that, that showcases what God has done or he, what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. And you know, when you said that about the canvas, it being my first canvas, I had this image, this other image pop up. I think it was the same year or maybe the year after my parents divorced, I took it to my mom one day and it ministered to her. She's, I mean, she kept it all these years, but it was this theme of this whale in the water, this big, scary looking um, whale. And this tiny little fish was swimming in front of it. And the fish should have been scared of the big, scary whale behind it, but it had a smile on its face. And then up in the sky, there was an angel hovering over the fish. And Mm. so when I gave it to my mom, I think as a child, you know, you're saying here, mom, look at what I painted, not really knowing that, like, I think that was a a shift in my healing as a kid of I'm going to be okay. We're going to be okay. I think never discredit a child's artwork. I think I've just, I think kids are brilliant and the way that they convey their feelings through art 
you know, we should be encouraging that creativity, writing or music or whatever it is, the creative avenues for kids are so important to have. And uh, we, so I just wanted to be sure to say that, you know, encourage your kids to be creative, to express themselves in different ways. Um, could be something as simple as, you know, um, picking out what they want to wear as a five-year-old or, or whatever, you know, just being, um, being able to be themselves and, and show uh, a little bit more of their personality and stuff. I think that goes a long way. So. Absolutely. I was out, I was finishing a, um, a run the other day and I was down to my last mile and I was like, mm, do I want to run straight or do I want to cut through the, where our library is? And I thought, yeah, I think I'm going to go by the library. And so as I was running through, there was a mom with her three children and they were tiny and her two little girls had on it looked like their Sunday best dresses, you know, <laughs> big skirts. And then <laughs> one had on some cowboy boots with it or cowgirl yeah. boots, I should say. And then the other one had on like little galoshes <sighs> and said, I am, I, I stopped. They were just so adorable. And I said, I am digging their outfits. And I looked at the little girls and I said, both of you look so beautiful. And the mom looked at me and she, she, she said, they totally dress themselves. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I love it. They're expressing themselves. You know, it's just, it's amazing to me because you think that child said, I want that dress and those boots and, and owning it, owning it every step. Owning it. (laughs) They were twirling and dancing across the parking lot, just free, you know, yeah. just complete freedom. And I completely agree with you, encouraging that in, in the hearts of our kids and expressing themselves and, and creativity. I've always loved the moments when I've seen any of my kids sit down with their sketchbook and their pencils or drawing pencils, uh, whatever it whatever it is, and just watching them create what's in there, take their imagination and put it on paper. I just, I love that. And I love how, as you, you keep those and like you're talking about, as you grow and mature, you can look back and see and reflect on what you created when you were young. It's beautiful. And so your process of creating art and where you are today, there's this window of, I went full-time art. Mm -hmm. What did that look like before you crossed over into full-time art? What was going on in your interior world before you took that step in terms of art? Yeah. um, So I had that desire after college, you know, to be an artist full-time. And I was aware of all of the, you know, um, starving artist comments. And, you know, I don't, I don't think my family was too thrilled with that career choice, but they also knew that I was gifted and, and had some creative, you know, blood in me. And so they wanted to be encouraging. And so I just, I remember thinking, I don't have the, the, this was my real honest thought. Okay. (laughs) I remember thinking, I don't have the skill. I don't have what it takes to be successful in art. And that was a real 
limiting belief that I knew I needed help to overcome. And I made little, you know, efforts of, but it wasn't until our friends called and said, Hey, we're starting a church in, in New Orleans and we want you to come be a part that we moved everything to New Orleans and, you know, lived seven people deep in a shotgun house in, uh, in Treme. And if you don't know what a shotgun house is, it's one of those houses that goes straight back. So there's a room and then a room and then a bathroom and then a room. And it was interesting. Um, we made it happen, but eight months doing that, um, we split up and, and the, the church plant, didn't go as, as we thought it would. There was a lot of hardship coming to the city and trying to plan a church that we didn't know enough about the areas that we were in and all of that. And so the real crossroads that I came to when moving there was I want to be an artist. So I'm going to try to be what New Orleans wants me to be a trendy, you know, I had this asymmetrical haircut, dyed a portion of it blue. I'm like, I fit in here. This is great. These are my I people. pictures. <laughs> I know. Um, it was cute, but I mean, it also fried my hair because, you know, it breaks after <laughs> bleach it so I'm much. Like, this seems like um, a vibe. I need, I need some I pictures know. of this. So I did that for a little bit and then realized like, that's not really me, you know, that it just didn't feel authentic like on nights and weekends, really, I was working another job and just painted and grinded. You know, I learned a little bit about Instagram and um, took it like a marketing class through there. And I thought, well, I'll just put my stuff out there and see. But honestly, I wrote a ton of like devotional content too, because I was learning a lot about trusting the Lord through the church plant falling apart and different things. You know, I had the faith crisis, a marital crisis, like all the crises, identity crisis all at once. And so really it became a space where I was just navigating and growing in my faith and then also putting art out there that I would paint. And even back then, you know, that was like 10 years ago or 11 years ago. I knew I wanted everything that I created to have a story. And so, you know, you meet people, they, they resonate with the story. And so you create another one. And that's what I did for a little bit. I didn't have the art series until, until I came to the crossroads of my faith. I never thought I would have a faith crisis, but when everything in your life falls apart, you enter in this space and wonder where is God? And that was, my first series was the mended series. And it was all about how God takes our brokenness and he, you know, overlays his grace and, and heals those areas, but it becomes this tapestry of beauty um, and pain together. And one cannot exist without the other, you know, it's, it's just the way he's designed us and created us to live. And so there's brokenness, but there's also beauty and there's also his grace. And so I was learning how to navigate that for myself, have grace for myself and others. Mm -hmm. Um, but highly aware that I was broken and that I needed mending. And so I put the first one out there. I painted it for me. And it's, it's based on the Japanese philosophy of Kintsugi. It's the art of mending something broken with gold. And they say that because something's been broken, it has a story 
And that story makes it beautiful. And that was something I was desperately trying to see in my own story that yes, I was broken, but that God makes things beautiful out of the dust. I put the first one out there. I think a few people immediately reached out and said, can you paint one of these for me? I love it. And so I painted a few. And then uh, my boss at the time, she said, Britt, I want to do a worship night for a group of teen girls. Um, would you be open to showing them how to create their own little mended series piece um, and tell just a little bit of your story? And so I had never done anything like that before, but I thought if the Lord wants to help other people through this series, I'm not going to deny that. And so I just figured it out as I, you know, I'm pretty sure it was so rough, <laughs> but it was worth it because I think that was the first time that I got to see other people working on mending their story. We had like a reflection time and they got to sit there with their little piece and put the gold over the broken places. And I thought, man, Lord, this is powerful. Like, how did you think of this? You know, cause I knew I couldn't take credit for that. Um, mm. and that's really where I fell in love with like creating only series, putting a meaning behind it that resonates with, you know, the masses, not just me. As an artist, when you create each series, is that because it is an overflow of what's happening in your own life? A lot of times. Yes. I would say all the time <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, because for instance, the Raising Arrow series was at a time where um, it's based on Psalm 127, four and five. It says like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I have been married for uh, 15 years now. We don't have kids yet. We had a miscarriage years ago. I'd have an eight-year-old right now. We just have not been able to get pregnant. And, you know, we haven't done IVF or anything like that. Just been getting our hormones and everything um, in alignment and working on that kind of stuff. Lifestyle changes because there was a time where we were very stressed and that can, you know, hinder you from having kids. And so um we had to change our lifestyle and incorporate more downtime, more peace, um, things like that. And that series came to me late one night. It was around midnight and I read that verse and I had that image immediately of this quiver of arrows. And I thought, Lenny, I don't think this is just for me. You know, maybe one day, like when we have a quiver full of kids, but I am going to paint this for somebody and I don't know who or what, but I'm just letting you know that the next day I'm sitting at a table with my then boss and her neighbor and her neighbor, Stacy, um, they had been praying for 10 years for another child. They had two boys and they wanted a third, but couldn't get pregnant. She was in her forties at this time. And she was sitting at the table and said, um, you know, I really, I just found out that I'm pregnant surprise, you know, and we were like overjoyed. And she said, I want to make this baby shower a theme that honors my husband's prayers. He's been, he's never stopped praying with the kids for this third baby. And I want it to be something like really impactful. And I just raised my hand. I was like, Stacy, I got it. I know what we're doing. 
and told her the theme, um, told her the verse, and she immediately just loved it. And so we themed the entire baby shower raising arrows. And I had cupcakes designed with the arrows on it. We did, I mean, it was just amazing. And that baby shower was the first arrow painting that I, you know, presented to her. And then mm. the people seeing it at the baby shower, you know, they were like lining up. I want one, me next. And so that's how that, that series started. I thought initially, I'll just paint this one series for about three months and then I'll move on. Well, that was however many years ago. <laughs> I'm still painting the Raising Arrows series, Absolutely. but I love it because they're all over the U.S. and a few in Canada. And, um, you know, it's just amazing. And I, I don't want to stop because it's, it's such a impactful message for families to value your kids, to know that they've been set apart that they are named. Um, that's one thing that I, I incorporate is I engrave the kids' names on the arrows. And it's because God names us in our mother's womb. You know, yes. they, yeah. are, they are set apart and we need to treat them as if they're set apart. But also it's, it's like a family, a modern day family portrait or a, a legacy piece, a family legacy piece. And yes. every single one of them are different. You know, the, the babies that, are in heaven, I point the arrows up towards heaven. And then the babies that are here with us on earth, they're pointed down. So a lot of quivers, you'll see some arrows pointing up and arrows pointing down in the same quiver. And I just think that's such a unique way to honor the family, how it is, you know, the babies that are lost or gone too soon or that have died tragically in some way they're part of the family they don't they're not just not a part of of the family and so I really wanted to represent that and that's something that came to me a little bit later you know after hearing people's stories and I thought oh wait a minute how do we represent these kids and so that's been that's been really unique and transformative I would say for families who reach out and say what do you mean you can represent the kids that I've mothered that I've lost? That's never been an option. And so to give them that option is really neat. It's profoundly beautiful and redemptive, the work and the art that you create, because to, to have lost and to continue to live and have that desire as a mother and a father to continue to keep that in front of you and that memory alive is so beautiful. Such a beautiful way to honor that life. I do hear this often from those that I've coached over the years that have lost spouse, a partner, you know, sibling, a child, that fear of not wanting to forget that they were alive or that that mom carried that child, that the fear that, that they'll just move on and the guilt surrounding that, you know, there's, there's a guilt and there's shame that surrounds that. Oftentimes we, we find that we feel we've moved on without them. And so it's a way to feel that reminder on a daily basis that there you are. Yeah. There you are. Because they change like their life, no matter how short it, it was, their life does impact us growth in a lot of ways. And so to not honor or acknowledge that I think is a, it's sad because they, 
they are a part of who we are and what we've learned because of grieving and, and, you know, learning to grieve well, or learning to um, trust the father a little bit more, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah, I think it's, and honestly, I almost didn't paint this series because I thought, who am I? Like, who am I to paint families? I don't even have a family, you know, I'm, I'm thinking this and the Lord is reminding me, Brit, yes, you do. Like you have, you have mothered kids. I was a nanny for 10 plus years through college and after, and I have raised, I feel like an army of kids, even though they're not my, my flesh and blood. Um, yeah. and I value families. So if I'm the voice that God wants to use to encourage others to value and love their families well, then I will be that voice and I am enough. And so that's something that I have to, con you know, continually remind myself is it doesn't have to look perfect and I don't have to be whatever I think I have to be in order to be the one to share his love. He just wants a willing vessel. And so yeah. I'll, I, I just remind myself to be that willing vessel that there's no right or wrong way to tell a story. There's just a way that, that grips people's heart and, and shows them a little bit more of who he is. I'm in awe of your obedience and your willingness and your generosity and how you have said yes to God in the midst of your own loss. And that what comes to me in this moment is how you've honored the life of your own child that we know you'll see. Thank you. See one day. It is so life-giving to sit with you in this moment and look at you knowing the loss and knowing that you allow me to share my life with you and the lives of my children as you've let so many do. I'm sure other moms in your life would say this. It takes a village yeah, it takes a village and you've been that, you know, you've been that for, for so many. Okay. I look at children and I think we have, I have so many people in my life that have biological children and then have also adopted children. I like to say that you have children who come through your physical womb. And then I feel like there's children who come through the womb of your heart. It's birthed in a different, a different way. That child comes in a, in a different way. I mean, you have a lot of seed in the ground, Brett. And so no, are you going to have like 10 kids? I don't know. Yeah, I'm open for it. I told him, I, I read this verse the other day. It was like, and he, and the nations will bring your sons and daughters on their shoulders. And I was like, yes, Lord, bring them all the nations. I would have Lenny, my husband, I think he's scared because I told him, I said, are you ready? Are you ready for all the nations? Like we're, I would love all of them. But um, the Lord knows what that looks like. And so yeah. in the meantime, I get to encourage the friends mm -hmm. and family and, um, and other families that I don't know. I get to encourage them to love on their families. So it's a huge honor for me. I, I don't take it for granted, but that only happens through the Lord, you know, setting yeah. that, putting that in my heart, um, yeah. giving me the opportunity with the baby shower. Mm -hmm. And that's what... That's what I mean when I say you learn to trust him with the next step. That's like right. We don't ever see, we don't ever see the full picture. So mm -hmm. it becomes our momentary trust 
our momentary um, leaning in to maybe what the Lord is speaking to our heart before we see the next step and the next. And then one day, you know, we look back and see, oh, I know exactly what you were doing, but I didn't see it then. But I'm, this makes me want to trust you a little bit more with oh. the steps that are unseen now. Yeah, so good. So do you have any art hanging on your walls that you have created? Do you keep your art? I don't. I think, well, I do. I do and I don't. I do until they're shipped. <laughs> and, then, and then I have to let them go. But um, because we're traveling so much, you know, I don't keep a whole lot of art. Um, I do have, have a few that I'm partial to um, that are in our storage back in New Orleans until we have an in location. But I, I think as part, I don't know if it's the same thing with like writing or, or songwriting or music, but I get so inspired by the next things that I just want to keep that creativity flowing and if I stare at my work for too long, then I start seeing all the little things that I could have, should have done differently. And yeah. that's not good for me. And so I have to, it's part of my trust process. You create, you let it go. You create, you let it go. And I always have the pictures, right? I can go back and look yes. at um, and frame if I ever want to, or get a print made or something like that. But um, probably when we have our, are in location, um, there might be some special originals that I might create for us, but not yeah. currently, currently they're all, <laughs> they're all being shipped off somewhere. <laughs> I get that though, because, uh, when I'm writing at some point, you just got to turn it in, right. you know, you got to turn that, you, you've got yeah, to turn that draft in. <laughs> yes. That second draft in, you know, you've got it, you've got to get it in and, be able to release that and trust that it's what it's supposed to be and that you've that you've done everything that you can do like you said you can only look at it for for so long was your first series that you ever did the mended series it was yes and then the and it then the, the mended series and traces of grace so oh, traces grace. Of grace was like the mended series but i still do the ornaments every year for traces yeah. of grace i got one of those ornaments they're so pretty. Yes. They're my, yes. They, I think they have a great message and they make great gifts. And so, um, I continue that every year. Um, although this year we have a little surprise, um, oh. something new, but I can't say anything yet, <laughs> but, um, it was traces of grace. And then there was a horizon series. So, all about new horizons and new seasons. God's doing a new thing. And then the Raising Arrow series. And I'm sure I'm probably missing one. And then the Wings, which is the newest collection, the Freedom Collection. Yes. And there was a couple of verses that, that go with that one. And so what I like to do is create a series, put the story out there, and then people message me and we figure out a way that we want to customize it for their story. Um, so with the freedom collection, this is the first time I've ever had a collection of paintings that I have already painted that people can then put whichever verse they want on there and, you know, choose their, 
their color scheme for the background or something like that. So that was really fun. I think I just sold the last um, three for that, that first little series um, or that first little collection, which is exciting. That was really yeah. exciting. It's always great when you, when you put a collection out there to see, is this going to resonate with people? Is this something that they find ad, adds value? And then to see that it does is a huge just weight lifted off of any creative yes. like, Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's going to be good. So I love I that. Some, I have some new series hidden in my heart that I am just asking the Lord when, because I just have a feeling anytime the Lord gives me a series um, or a collection idea, I usually sit on it for a bit just to see, you know, if it's, if it's really something that, I should move forward with, or if it's just something for another time, but with these two that I've been thinking of consistently, I feel as strongly about them as I've, as I have the past series that have, you know, done well. And so I have to believe that that's the Lord and I'm just praying for his timing. It would be, it would be released at a time where people really resonate with it. It feels exciting to have those ideas in your heart stirring. Um, But I'm also, there's an impatient part of me where I'm like, okay, Lord, let's just go create it. But there's a lot of thought and prayer that goes into each series. So I have to, to pace myself. And, and once it's out there, um, people start asking you questions about it. You want to give them the full story and kind of paint the picture for them. And I just need to, to work on, on that kind of stuff. And you're an amazing storyteller. Ah, <laughs> uh, thanks. Yeah, I I just I enjoy I enjoy the words that you put together because I know you and your heart and the generosity and the tone and the kindness that you convey so so beautifully in what you share. And I do believe that comes from your love of story. Then you take that within your own heart and that desire comes out of you to share the story behind the art because you live your art. Yeah. You live this out. And that's why just circling back to what I had asked you earlier is that when you create, do you, are you healing as you're, as you're creating the art and your answer is yes. And that comes through, you know, that comes through in your work because this isn't a job. It's your work. It's what's in you. It's, it's your origin story, right? And pulling in that childhood piece today. Thank you for that. Because that, that brings us full circle to what you're doing now and what you're living out and what you're continuing to create and knowing that that place for you and your timeline of your life that began with pain and you you communicating that as a child and now you're communicating other people's stories and helping them to overcome yeah yes and i love that i mean that's you know we start we start with our own hurts and and yeah you know, journey of healing. And then the Lord puts us in the position to where we're able to encourage others. But first we have to go through the healing too. And it's messy and it's hard, but it's worth it. Yeah, it is. That's right. Like you said earlier, just that, yes, you know, what if we, what if we don't say yes in the life that you're, you're living out and the relationships. I mean, you and I, we met online. (laughs) 
were a part of a creative entrepreneurship women's group, whatever you want to call it. And like, Hey, you know, it's amazing. People are like, ah, social media. And I'm like, I what? I love social media. Like, I mean, it has its place and sometimes you take a break from it, but it's just incredible how you get to connect with people. So nitty gritty for a moment, like it's always, I know that, you know, someone who is a creative, what their question is, what's her secret sauce? Because she went full-time art and she was doing something else. And this is, you know, this has always been a part of her life and in her life, we talk to people who have degrees and they're doing something completely opposite than what their degree is in. And and this has been in your life and it stayed in your life. And then you crossed over and you were like, I'm going full time. Can you share? Well, what would you say are some rhythms in your life that empower you to create on a daily basis? Where do you draw inspiration from? Yeah, I well, when you were first talking, I thought, you know, of this quote, it's frustration is the breeding ground for change. Mm. So in my life, it was seasons of frustration when I got really frustrated with work and really frustrated with um, just the amount of stress that we were under. The Lord was kind of nudging me, you know, to, to make this step, but I was so afraid. And so I heard a message one time, um, somebody was talking about stepping over lines of fear And I remember that just hit me like, that's what it is. Like, eventually I'm going to have to take a step over that line of fear or find it. And Mm -hmm. so I started learning to take those intentional steps. Anytime I felt this overwhelming sense of I'm not ready, I have to remember I'm already his. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's all that needs to happen. And so he will guide me. He is faithful to guide me forward that I have to take that step. And so there were these opportunities that started coming up for me to be creative. And I felt like, oh, I'm not equipped to do that yet. I don't know how to do that. And I would have to make the mental decision that, well, has he called me to paint? I may not know how to paint a mural, but has he called me to paint? Yes. And so that gives me the experience that I need to say yes. And then the, the time of preparation comes after, right? Where you're learning what you need to learn to fulfill that, that opportunity or that, that project. That has really been a lot of my decision-making over the past couple of years is I just need to get to the yes. And then he will guide me from there. And I'm not, I don't live with the fear um, that I did in the past. Yeah. I'm a a planning and I love to plan and prepare and do all the right things. But sometimes you just have to say yes before you know how to do something and then let the Lord lead you Mm. because that's a way that, that we show that he's faithful and that he's trustworthy and, and give him the glory at the end. Because I can promise you after painting seven weeks live, never having painted live before. And it revealed on Easter Sunday, it was a crown of thorns that I trans I, 
I painted this crown of thorns, transitioned it every week into a king's crown. It was revealed on Easter. I painted live for three services every single weekend. Never painted live before, but it was one uh, of those, I know. It was one of those moments to where I thought, I'm not going to let fear if this if this thing goes to hell, you know, like if it doesn't work out, then <laughs> I'm like, sorry, God, since I'm painting your thorns, <laughs> right? it is your fault. And Lord, if this does not work out, because I am saying okay. yes, in full trust that you're going to give, you're going to equip my hands for what you yeah. have called me to do. And it yeah. was, it was but that said, it was also a desire of my heart that he put in me to be able to paint live. And so I knew that it was, it was a line of fear that I needed to cross for my future. Um, scariest thing I've ever done. I mean, there is a moment where I'm like, I'm painting up there thinking of all the eyes staring at me mm. and, and saying to the Lord, I don't know what to do next. And then you would just trust by putting the paintbrush to the canvas and mm. then it would just flow. But it was like that initial, that moment where you're just wanting to freak out a little bit. But then when you put the paintbrush to the canvas, it starts to flow. And that has just been my relationship with trusting the Lord is, you know, I'm always having to take these, these steps into the unknown before mm. I see what he wants to do. And, um, but the rhythms that you were talking about, um, for me, I had to slow down. I had to really get to a place to where I enjoy waking up in the morning, reading the word, and then spending a few moments outside in the sunshine. I yeah. know we both love that, you know, whether yeah. it's walking the neighborhood or walking on trails or whatever. Um, but just the Lord speaks to me out there, you know, he encourages me, but he also gives me vision. Um, mm. and then I've, I've just recently started a habit of asking myself, what am I committed to today? What are the things that are not going to slip through the cracks that are important for my artistry or for my relationships? And that has helped me gain clarity, even more clarity, because as creatives, sometimes we can be a little like go from one thought to the next, to the next, and, you know, never get anything done because we're yeah. spending all of our time um, imagining or whatever. Um, but getting clear on what I'm committed to has helped me keep myself accountable to get things done. But then also with that allowing time to just sit in his presence. And sometimes I visualize like the lyrics of songs or I visualize what he wants to say. And that's been such an incredible sweet time because the Lord does oftentimes speak to me in visuals. And um, that's been every single one of my series. I've had a visual before I've actually painted it, um, that sticks with me. And so it's been encouraging to my heart to see, you know, that's, that's spending time with the Lord. That's him speaking. And that inspires me to create, because I know that there's someone on the other end of this conversation 
that wants that is involved in the creative process and yeah that's yeah. really really rich when you're saying that it just it goes back to what we were sharing earlier at the very beginning of living with intention and choosing God's presence as a priority in our lives. And we've got to know that we draw inspiration through the rhythms in our, in our lives. It's like you just said, we can spend so much time in our imagination and contemplating and oftentimes over-spiritualizing and God, like when you step into your work, when you're in the studio, when I'm writing, whatever it is, my hands are being applied to. He says, I will bless the hands of the diligent. He says, I take delight in the prosperity of my servants. And we look at that. It's not always about monetizing something. It is our time, our resources. Our time is a resource. And we honor him. We worship him. We, we serve him. We love on him through living out the rhythms. Oftentimes we forsake that. And we don't realize that that some of our greatest inspiration comes through the rhythms in our lives that we establish and we live out with intention and the intuition that comes in the process of that. I mean, that those mornings for me, non-negotiable, my breath work in the morning, gratitude, get up, put my clothes on and of course, brush my teeth. That's a given. (laughs) (laughs) Check down my, you know, ounces of water that I do every morning um, and then hit the road, whatever miles I'm going to do that day. And that's, that's my time. That's my time. That's my clarity. That's where in that, in that space, it's worship to him worship. It's a rhythm in my life. It's a discipline in my life. It's life giving. It's, it's where I cry. It's where I pray. It's where I, I gather. It's it just all the things in that, in that window of time at the beginning of every single day. And just like what you're talking about, those rhythms in our lives, it's inspiration, it's breath. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay. How did you begin adopting those rhythms in your life? Did you always have those rhythms? um, Or is it something that you kind of learned along the way that, Hey, this is important for me? Yeah. The rhythms in my life, definitely. I can dial back to myself as a teenager And looking back when I was really started, when I was around 13 years of age, that prioritizing prayer and reading the scriptures and fasting and worshiping, God just moved in in such a dramatic way Mm -hmm. in my life. You know, I share that piece of my story. And then I also like to add and share with people that it was only a few years before that that uh, my dad left our home. I was 11 years old. We were living in one location and then we moved into an area of the the city we were in that would 
it was classified it was the ghetto you know it was like wait was that a gunshot you know like uh, oh and, you know, living going from being in the country into to uh the city and people would say oh you're from the other side of the tracks yeah no literally I was from you know there was these large big white houses on one side and then the other side looked a little bit different <laughs> you know where where we were staying look at that time period in my life and I remember coming back and I share this in my book a little bit just returning home from a camp that I had gone to and God really got my attention and it was I felt like it was such a dramatic encounter with him and it marked me Mm. I was even recently journaling about this what I was stepping into in my life at that time as a 13 year old kid I had no clue really what God was asking of me. And when he would talk to me about fasting and praying, and at that time in my life, I I spent so much time memorizing mm. scriptures, then realizing that as I matured physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, it became more about meditating mm. on scriptures. And that shaped me, that changed me that rhythm in my life, really dialing into the secret place. Uh, Psalm 91 became just my, my chapter, I would say as, as a young kid, we then come to that precipice of who is Jesus Christ for us? Yeah. Who is the Holy spirit? Who is God? Those encounters don't come through mom, dad, sibling, we we have to experience him ourselves. Right. I always look at my my young people and and you know I've got three adults and one who's still not an adult yet. Mm-hmm. And thinking about them loving the God that I've loved mm. almost my whole life. But I know that they need to experience him for themselves. Because life is going to happen, right? And so I have always prayed for them. God, give them encounters with you that are undeniable. There is nothing else that it could be. There's, There's no way that that could happen apart from you. There's no question mark that the enemy of their soul can put on your face and take any question mark about you and make it a period or an exclamation mark, whatever that looks like. But those rhythms in my life it does require intention. It really does. It requires intention. I would say, Britt, to to go back to your original question, it's desperation. For me, it comes down to desperation. You know, when I fast, when I pray, when I give, when I worship, when I sit with my own soul, it, it's all about desperation. It really is. It's, it's keeping in front of me, my desperate need to be rescued my desperate need to have the love of Jesus Christ, my desperate need for joy, because that's my strength, my desperate need to have the mind that keeps me going every single day, renewing my mind so that my life will continue to transform. It's daily, daily. I, I can't remember if I've shared this on a podcast episode before, but I can remember this moment where that whisper came. And it was this time in my life, I can remember where I I would classify it as coasting, 
being in neutral, not picking a gear, just being in neutral. And I remember hearing if my scripture says that to stay alert because the enemy is on the prowl, he's always seeking someone to devour. Strong language, right? Yeah. <laughs> devour? Yeah. Right. It's pretty dramatic. And that the still small voice said, if he's always seeking Juliet, why do you ever stop seeking me? Why do you think that you can ever go into neutral? Why do you think that you can ever just coast? I believe, uh, was it Goodwill Hunting, Robin Williams? I believe that that's the, if I'm getting that correct, that pain has a way of waking us up to what we're not paying attention to. We think, I was just sharing this with a friend a few days ago. We think that we, we can look at our lives in reflection. We don't often see it when we're in the pain, but we, we take someone else's pain in and we look and we go, that's going to be their rock bottom. Surely that's going to be enough. And it's not always, it's not enough. The pain, the pain isn't enough. And I find in my own life, it's what I have on the back of my book. When our desperation to be free exceeds our pain, then we're ready to begin healing. So good. Oh, I love that, that line. And um, when I read it for the first time, um, it just hit me, you know, mm. that yeah. it's true that desperation has to out outweigh um all the rest and that's the daily walk that's when you get up and you know what you need um, to move forward with the right mindset the right heart the right posture is you be in alignment with him first over everything else it truly makes a difference and I think that's what's been neat to see just with our friendship is I see that so clearly with the way that you operate and in your day to day, and um, it breathes into everything that you do. And I mm-hmm. desire to live that way too. And I think that's why when we got together, our, our friendship started budding, and we were both like, "Wait, I, I love you. I don't know you, but I I love you." And <laughs> and yeah. So- it's this we kindred. fell in love very quickly. I know. The, the, the kindred, you know, spirit of my friend, Jennifer and I, we, we had that same feeling and, um, we call each other kindred because it's just when, when your spirit feels connected to another woman's spirit, um, it's just so encouraging and light, light giving. And, um, and I just love that about you. Because you make me want to get into the secret place too and go commune with the father. And that's the kind of friendships I want in my life. Someone who always, always takes me back to Jesus. And, um, and yeah, I, I just think you do that for so many people so well. Oh, thank you, friend. You're so precious. And I feel the same about you. We just had this conversation yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Iron sharpens iron, right? Man sharpens another. And I'm, I'm so very grateful that we came together and that God really did bring our paths together. And it is, it is so beautiful and so life-giving and Britt, I would say we are desperate to be filled with joy. We are desperate to experience God's goodness. We are desperate for that happiness, even if it's, even if it's momentary, God wants it to, to anchor deeper and he identifies it as joy, right? That joy that we can't always explain. 
um, because happiness is, it can be fleeting. Um, but the joy is our strength. Uh, we're desperate for redemption, for healing, for clarity, to, to walk with him, to see, to see clearly, to see rightly. We talk about desperation. I think oftentimes we associate that word with heaviness, but the scripture tells us that we put on the garment of praise to lift off that spirit of heaviness and that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so when I think about desperation, it does bring me joy that that stirs up hope in me because I know that the story of resilience that we have ignites hope in the heart of someone else that has been in pain for so long. And I can see that they're right there they're right there. And what I know is that they really are desperate. They really are desperate. They just don't have the tools or the, or the answer in front of them that they are, that they have truly been desperately seeking for a long time. The hope of God comes along the love of Jesus Christ. When that rescue shows up, they're done talking about their pain. All of a sudden that desperation rises to the surface and they're like that. That's what I need right there. That's what I need right there. It's beautiful. Thank you for hanging out today. And everybody, Britt Alvin, co-host of Ground Table. We got a little bit of her inside inside story. Her and your it's so funny because I said, What's your what's your ground zero? And you said there's so many. <laughs> there are. There's like the 2.0, the 3.0, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel that about my my life too. And I and I think people are like, oh, have you always been a, a writer and a podcaster and a coach? And I'm like, ask me what else I've done. We'll be right. we'll be here for a while, right? As there's a, a myriad of things together. Yeah. Yeah. God, it all works together. That's right. We can see the common thread running through our story. So any last thoughts you want to share on ground table today for our listeners? Um, I think I would just encourage anyone who says maybe sitting there and saying, you know, um, that's great. Like it's, it's worked for y'all to enter in his presence daily, but I don't sense his presence. And if that is the case, then I would encourage you to turn on a worship song and just simply visualize the lyric or visualize the father speaking those lyrics over you. Mm. And when I, when I think of the term like practicing his presence, there's a book called practicing his presence. Um, it's really good, but I would say spend time. You don't have to have answers right away. Just spend a little bit of time in his presence and letting the lyrics of the song wash over you. And then just see how that how that influences your day and see if you feel a closeness with the Lord. And it may take a couple of days before you really start to desire or you catch yourself singing a worship song in your head or you catch yourself talking to the Lord just about anything and everything through the day because it will at some point change the atmosphere. It will at some point create a, a, a change in you. And I would just encourage the, the people who may be listening that, that don't feel close to the Father, don't sit there and say you don't feel close and not 
put yourself in the opportunity to get close with the Father. He will speak. He has promised to speak. And He wants to speak to to everyone, not just you, not just me, um, to all of us. We are all His kids. And so that's what I think is just on my heart to share is give yourself the opportunity to be loved by Him. You don't have to say the right things or, or um, leave with like this amazing vision, but just allow him some time to kind of wash over you with his love and see what that does. That's beautiful. I believe that you have echoed the heart of God because he is for us. And as you were sharing, I thought of the question asked often, how do I hear God's voice? And I heard my pastor, Erwin McManus, and best-selling author, say, <laughs> you want to know God's voice. It's the voice that calls you to more. So how do you distinguish God's voice, friend? It's the voice that calls us to more. And Britt and I want to say thank you for tuning in to Groundtable today. We hope that you gain some joy and clarity and laughter along the way. And we hope that... Yeah, we love you. We hope that this maybe is the best part of your day. And so uh, we will have more conversations for you soon. And so thank you for tuning in, Britt. Thank you for co-hosting today and being with us and sharing parts of your story. So, okay, friend. Thank you. All right. Yeah, cheers. Bye.